program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Hello, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. I hope you're having a great day. This is your radio show host, Dr. Barbara Young. I am so excited today to bring you listeners in observance of our Wealth Building Wealth Management Month, our last guest for today. And I know this has been a topic of much interest and concern for many individuals. Now, our topic today is Recipe for Multi-Generational Wealth Building. Now, there's more to philanthropic planning than developing expertise in sophisticated tax strategies. An individual also needs the ability and personality to help clients identify and give expression to the causes in this world that are most meaningful to them. Yes, one could assert that this borders on life planning. Of course, many financial advisors have little training or inclination to lead such emotion-laden discussions. The best candidates sometimes are often practitioners themselves who are philanthropic. But today, we have a young man who is philanthropic, who also is a man on fire to share about the rising demand for philanthropy-related services across the globe. Interesting to note that recent research has found that households with a net worth in the $1 million to $5 million range rarely contributed more than $25,000 annual to charity, whereas wealthier households routinely donated six figures and sometimes seven. The research also revealed that high net worth individuals don't always put a lot of thought into their gifts. And it's the rare advisor who recommends structured giving vehicles such as foundations and donor-advised funds. So there's opportunity for the advisor who's proactive in talking to people about the legacy they want to create. When you help people put their money to a purpose, whether it's aiding the local children's hospital, feeding the homeless, or saving rare trees in India, they know You really care about them and their family, and that your relationship with them is not just a business transaction. So I want you to stay tuned today to this interesting show because I'm sure you're going to learn a lot of valuable information to help you on your transformation journey. So I want to uh, share with you listeners, if in case you want to share this with your friends, and you really should, you can download this discussion as it's archived immediately after the show. So be sure to share with those who might miss this time. But I am here 
Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I invite you to tune in each week. And listeners, I'm thankful that you are back, that you're listening. I've received uh, emails from many of you, and I want to thank you for your messages of encouragement to me. So callers, you are welcome to call in with your questions and to join in the conversation or send me your comments and feedback at info at transformationforsuccess.com. You can call me on a toll-free number listed on my website. My website is www.transformationforsuccess.com. You can call toll-free to the studio at 888-346-9141 or internationally, 001-480-553-5754. Now, I can repeat that toll-free, 888 888- 346-9141 or internationally 001-480-553-5754. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can access me, access me through all of these channels. Again, visit my website because I want you to find some information about me, my life empowerment seminars. You'll get more um, interesting sort of tidbits about Dr. B coaching sessions for individuals and groups, webinars and networking events for uh, individuals and groups. By the way, I have one empowerment networking event coming up on June 13th at the Wilson Creek Winery, which is located in Temecula, California. And guess what? It's for men and women. It's the first annual networking empowerment event for both men and women. Uh, It's from 11 to 2 p.m. And guess what? Only $65 for a wonderful afternoon and the Wilson Creek Winery. There's a wine tasting afterwards should people want to take the wine tour or there's a sitting uh, wine tour that they present and it's only $22. So, but I want you to also know, you know, every morning when I wake up, I wake up passionate about the opportunity to transform the lives of men and women and to give them information that they can use with messages of hope and encouragement. My mission simply is to make a difference in the lives of others. I firmly believe that integrating and feeding the mind, spirit, soul, and body are the keys to transforming one's life for greater personal and professional success. So this is a show for everyone around the globe, the young, the bold, the seasoned, and the restless. Now, I know that attending a workshop on a weekend is not enough, neither it's reading a book or watching a training video. What truly successful people do is listen daily to audio programs from successful individuals in the car, at home, or even in the office, if it's only for just 15 minutes. You were born to be successful with a seed of purpose planted in your very souls. Transformation for Success is the show to bring you the positive steps, principles, and processes that work in transforming oneself for success. I am your success coach, yes, and I'm going to encourage and challenge you each week with interesting and knowledgeable overcomer guests 
who are going to share their stories of transformation and give you the principles and steps they have learned to be successful on their journey. Now, today we have a very special guest, the noted and successful Mr. Justin Brimmer, a young man on the move, who is a financial advisor with a very large mutual investment services. Today's discussion, we're going to explore some questions. One about has philanthropic planning become an integral aspect of many professional and advisory practices? And is it a professional service in its own right? And is there a rising demand for philanthropy-related advisory services across the globe? Well, Mr. Justin Brimmer is going to share his passion and talk about creating multi-generational wealth building. So it is my pleasure to introduce and greet my guest, Mr. Justin Brimmer. Hello, Justin. Hey, Dr. B. How are you? I'm doing well. Yourself? I am fantastic. I am so happy to have you finally on the show. You have been one busy man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure. My pleasure. And so I had to really, really struggle and fight hard to get you on the show uh, because you've been seeing and visiting so many clients and helping so many people. Uh, That's wonderful. You know, and it's exciting to know of someone who is interested in being a servant and who has a passion for helping people. So it is great to have you. Now, I want to just share a little bit uh, before we get right into the questions that, Justin, uh, really, (laughs) you are sort of what I call a child prodigy, uh, creating and becoming an entrepreneur at age 12, and how your transformation journey led you to become uh, to enter college at 17 and then pursue a political career in your 20s and then to become a leader in financial estate philanthropy planning. So I tell you, I can't wait to get in to start asking you some questions. So, Justin, we're going to begin the show. I'm going to ask you something which I've been just sort of, you know, it's been germinating a while. <laughs> when you were a little boy, <laughs> did you dream about being successful? I don't know if I would call it successful. Uh, I think having a very um, intimate relationship with God at a young age um, Mm -hmm. allowed me to at least just be open to his training. Mm -hmm. I always knew that I was going, based off of what was placed in me, I was going to try to be the best at whatever I put my mind to. And usually that's coupled with trying to finish as as fast as possible or trying to be as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I called it success. Um, I just wanted to be a provider, be those things that was taught to me that a man should be or a man who has found his purpose on life should be and what he should do. And coupled not only with personal money, wealth, et cetera, but also mm-hmm. the the spirit of giving back. Okay. Right? There's time, money. So it, that was since a very young age. When I was in middle school, um, I won the award for the most volunteer hours. I think I had over 500 hours. Oh, my um, goodness. From 6th <laughs> to 8th grade. And oh my at that time, I was helping a number of organizations um, doing, you know, admin work at first and dealing with the populations that they were trying to service. And then in college, 
and in um, high school that carried on. So no matter what I did, if I was smart or thought I was smart and doing good in school, I tutored. If I was doing business ideas, I donated money. If I, you know, learned how to write a business plan and was being, you know, or creating client bases from that, I taught other people how to write business plans. So it was always learn, but then teach, learn, teach. That's noble, and that's that's the way to do it and to retain it is to learn it and then to teach it. But tell me, where were you born, uh, Justin? So my family's from the South, uh, Louisiana, Mm -hmm. Mississippi, uh, New Orleans in Mm -hmm. particular. uh, But then they moved to Southern California, Mm -hmm. and then that's where I grew up. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about your family, because it sounds like, you know, you had some early beginnings in terms of childhood experiences. You talk about having a knowledge about God early on in your life. So tell me a little bit about your family and how was it growing up? So we definitely went to church all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think that was just the, I think what that taught me mostly is just the discipline of doing some things that maybe you don't necessarily want to do. Um, Because at a young age, I I didn't necessarily get the most out of it just because I was forced to do it. Um, But it Uh was something that was taught was you don't find pleasure. You don't have to find pleasure out of everything you do. There's some things you just do. And that's That's what my parents instilled in me. As I got older, I started developing a relationship and spirituality with God on my own. Um, But my parents, my father is a um, director of a nonprofit organization that helps disabled adults. And my mother um, works with a lot of different nonprofits with her job. She was an urban planner for the city Mm -hmm. of Los Angeles. So she went into blighted areas and help them develop their um, commercial real estate and storefronts. So I saw for, firsthand the power of dealing with diverse communities, people who looked different, right. mm-hmm. people who responded differently uh, to different ways of learning, and how we still find their essence and find what makes them tick, and how to count okay. your own blessings, because I think that spirit of gratitude was developed by them. Justin, hold that point. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back and we're going to listen more about how you went to college at 17. So stay tuned, listeners. You'll want to hear this story. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now on Voice America. The road you travel in life is never a straight line. It's more like running around in circles, which is not a problem when you make Richard Flint a part of your world. When you're standing next to Richard, you begin to see a lot less confusion and a whole lot more clarity. Things just start falling into place. Every Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The power to be with Richard Flint. Join us and more power to you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back for today's discussion with my guest, Mr. Justin Brimmer, and we're talking about recipe for multi-generational wealth building. Ah, before we went on to break, Justin was telling us about his family, how it was growing up, and now I want to segue into how this young man became an entrepreneur at 12 and how he went to college at 17. So, Justin, you got to share. <laughs> right. So... Again, the same concept, uh, making sure that I did a lot of volunteer work, mm-hmm. um, taking a lot of classes, and I so I just finished and also having a birthday that's later. So I finished at 17 and then went to UC Berkeley and finished in three years. So by 20, I was done so far from schooling, at least in that chapter. But the whole wow. time, I think mm-hmm. the beautiful thing was not just being focused on what I can do or how well I can do in school. But I know a lot of the UC um, systems and Cal State systems, they want a well-rounded student. So I knew I had to figure out what would make me different. And it was interesting because I didn't have necessarily the talent that maybe the typical or average um, young person had, right? So I didn't play any um, school sports. I didn't, I did not sing, even if I tried. Um, I couldn't tell jokes. I just wasn't that talent that was showcased it. So I had to really dig deep to figure out what will set me apart. And I knew it was my acumen for business, writing Mm -hmm. business plans, selling candy, et cetera. And then my, um, my heart for giving back. So those two things, the philanthropy and volunteering, that started in middle school, that carried to high school, I think made me what I called, um, or the title of my essay was, I'm idiosyncratic, right? And, <laughs> that's, 
and I explained but that's probably what all, true about you, Justin, right? <laughs> it, it, it still is. <laughs> so all of the different influences that made me who I am, and mm-hmm. I just found and fell in love with my own talents that were kind of unconventional. So went to college and did the same thing. Um, gave back was um, seventh and a seventh and eighth grade teacher in out of middle school in Oakland while I was still in school. So just making sure that, again, you learn, you teach, you learn, you teach, you share mm-hmm. type thing. What motivated you to finish uh, college in three years, though? I just didn't like school, <laughs> but I knew it was necessary. <laughs> so I figured okay. I couldn't drop out. I can only finish faster. So we don't have to prolong this journey. We can just learn all I can and get out as soon as possible. What was your major? Uh, pre-law. <laughs> did you have and aspirations then, to become an attorney? I did until I met attorneys <laughs> and they were telling me don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's not nice. really. <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think it was just um, internally you just have to find your own direction. I uh-huh. end up going into politics and legislation, so a different route of law. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't think I would have been a great practitioner of law. Well, you know, it's interesting that at that young age, I mean, you were, you know, sort of channel, people were telling you that, that you really don't want to do this, but then to look within yourself and realize that you really didn't have what it took to become an attorney. But tell me too, before we get into, you know, a little bit about your background, uh, how difficult was it to be, you know, this young man not compromising, staying focused. Um, and, and what kind of highs and lows did you face? Because, gosh, Justin, even though you had the, the, um, the academic acumen, let's put it that way, what about the emotional maturity here? Yeah, I, I think those are, well I, well, I don't know about that. I, I think that's an interesting question. So um, I am married uh, with three children, and I met my wife in middle school. She was my first girlfriend. So <laughs> uh-huh. I think, and then we lost contact in high school and college, um, but then reconnected afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I've always been a focused person where okay. if I met and I, if I was going after a goal, I knew that I had to really become deaf to the world. Mm-hmm. And really listen to that inner voice. Okay. So sometimes it was untraditional. Sometimes you can hear, oh, you can never be in love, right, at such a young age. But then I thought in my head, you know, she was smart, she was pretty, and whatever that meant to a sixth grader. And, you know, really held that um, to heart. So when we reconnected, it was only an uh, easy transition. And then three months after reconnecting, we married. So I think in terms of as I progressed, mm-hmm. I think the maturity in the character um, gets developed in other ways, right? So okay. I did not, I wasn't the best team player, mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to become a good team player because I didn't play any organized sports, and I did not have to depend on any team member in order to achieve a goal. So learning well, how to be a part of a team, I think, took some uh, emotional maturity. I knew okay. how to help people, but how to co-work, coexist mm-hmm. is a different is a different skill set that I didn't have. 
So would you say that that was one of the trials you had to face was how uh, trying to, how to be a team player? Oh, yes. Again. You know, it's, it, but you know, it seems, it seems uh, strange to me though, because you grew up with a family. How many children in the family? Four. And you didn't learn to be a team player with your, with your brothers and sisters. That's, that's interesting. I think because our ages were spaced out. Okay. Okay. That, that answers that question. Well, um, what are some of the things that uh, you would tell to someone who might be facing some of those challenges today? I mean, because, you know, team, being a team player is a big part of working in, a, in the industry. And then we're going to segue into how you got into finance and where you are now as a financial advisor. What motivated you to do that? So let's go back just a little bit to talk about what principles did you share with someone today? How did you learn to become a team player? Why is it so important? Well, it's, it's imperative. So it's as mm-hmm. crucial to business. It's as crucial to getting a job, um, getting promoted, as mm-hmm. breath is to your body. Right? So it, wasn't, it didn't take that long to figure out, I have to, I have to learn this, this mm-hmm. craft. And not only be a team player, but be a team player with diverse groups, with mm-hmm. people who are different than you, people who have different opinions, political views, religious views, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the principles are you just have to – the only way that you can learn your way out of it is that you have to immerse yourself into being on teams, okay. even when necessarily you don't have to. Partnerships right. are okay. key. Okay. That's good. Now, when we when we start talking about money and finance, you know, it brings such emotion. <laughs> I mean, with money, you know, and finances, it's an emotional experience from my point yeah. of view. Uh, so I, I like the, this analogy that I always say that you will never learn or get better at tennis by sitting around talking to the clerk who strings the tennis rackets at the sporting goods store. <laughs> but you will yeah. advance your game. If you spend time on the courts with the pro. So that's why I had you on the show today to spend some time talking with the pro who whose mission and I and I know that you have this strong mission to build multi-generational legacies that will impact the world. So you've completed college, you've gotten married, you went into politics, you had that desire, then you segued into being uh, financial advisor. So just tell me how that happened. Okay. Again, I think being open to God's plan, mm-hmm. even when I was in politics or in city hall, I found myself dealing with very high net worth individuals wanting okay. to donate their art to the city of LA uh-huh. um, in the different museums. I found myself, no matter what I was doing, some level, some way, either financially managing or advising or giving some type of estate planning idea. Mm-hmm. My, my, my desire or one of my interests were definitely transitional or multi-generational um, character building. So not just money, but how do mm-hmm. you, if I, were, if I was a doctor, how do I make sure that my children are doctors and what happens to make sure that your grandchildren are doctors? Like when you find families like that, what happened in that breeding ground? Mm-hmm. And I worked very closely with the Han family uh, when I was at the city of Los Angeles. And her mm-hmm. father was 
the county supervisor, her brother, was the mayor of L.A. She was a council member who's now a congressional um, or a congressperson. Her mm-hmm. uncle was a judge or an appointed judge. You have this family that bred public, public service. That's right. And that was so fascinating to me, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. while I was developing my own family. So how do we mm-hmm. create traditions around mm-hmm. money, traditions around professions, traditions around spiritual beliefs that allow your legacy um, to be fruitful and multiply beyond your, your, your wildest dreams. So I was always curious about those subject matters. After I mm-hmm. left politics, after running for office, and after seeing you know, how politics influences our lives, I was then um, recruited and transitioned into wealth management and financial advising. The only reason why that I was attracted to it, um, that profession, is because it seemed like it was always my profession. Wow. So it seems like you just sort of fell into something that excited you, that was natural to you, and you loved it, right? Well, yeah, and, and the interesting <laughs> thing, Dr. B, this is between you and me and your millions of listeners. Um, I never even knew this was a profession. Okay, hold that point because we're going to take a break. And we're going to be right back, and we will finish our discussion, Justin. So, listeners, tune right in. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who have turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Is there a real magic formula for success, or is it something more? Does the divine nature within, when activated, become a powerful unified force that catapults an individual to greatness? Join visionary host Sharon Rose Washington, author, empowerment life coach, and energy healer, to explore the answer to the big question of why we are here. She'll have amazing luminary guests ranging from business thought leaders to top celebrities. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. This is Transformation for Success. 
To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi there, and welcome back for our discussion today with my special guest, the noted and successful Mr. Justin Bremer, a young man on the move who's a financial advisor with a very large mutual investment services in Los Angeles, California. And we're talking about today, Recipe for a Multi-Generational Wealth Building. And Justin was just before we went to break, was talking about his views on how legacies are born. And he was discussing the Han family, which is very, very interesting, Justin. So continue to share how we get people started in terms of financial planning and how how this can help build multi-generational legacies. Where do we start? Uh, great question. I think, number one, we just have to really analyze. There are some great families that we know about, uh, and you hear their stories where they did very successful um, in terms of bootstrapping um, self-made millionaires, but their children, for some reason, would have to go in and out of jail, in and out of rehab, or they didn't really catch on to the bug or really see the success that was around them or they rejected it. But then you Mm -hmm. see other families where, again, this father was a politician, the the child was a politician, and the children or grandchildren are politician, and the same thing with real estate developers and ministers. So what is it? And one of the things that have fascinated me and still fascinates me to this day, what Mm -hmm. is the recipe that causes or increases the odds for multi-generational um, legacy building and control over how you think your offsprings are going to turn out. And a lot of that is some things you can control, other things you just have to pray about. But I think the number one step is making sure that you're aware of not only your own personal mission like you have, but what is your family mission? What mm-hmm. are the, the Hans? What are the Hiltons? What are the Bremers? And what are the Youngs? What are they going to be known as, as a group? And that is something that even if you go from a biblical standpoint, God was very conscious of the bloodline in profession of what those Mm -hmm. bloodlines were. None of them were accident. Why was it that they had to strategically make sure that, you know, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and once Cain killed Abel, why is Seth's line led to Noah? And why did Noah's line lead to Christ? We had to Mm -hmm. be very conscious of that. And I think a lot of people nowadays have lost focus of what that family mission is. We're trying to find Mm -hmm. our individual purpose, but what's our family mission? And one of my studies have realized that usually God gives the idea to one Mm -hmm. family member, whether it's the patriarch or the uh, matriarch, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't really explode or go to its full potential until the second or third generation is done properly. Mm-hmm. And like I tell you all the time about the, who's the J.W. Marriott of the family, right? Mm-hmm. He's not the, the hotel builder that most people know him as. He's the root beer float guy who was selling root beer floats in New York City. Mm-hmm. That's how they created their wealth. It's starting very small, 
But it wasn't until his son took the idea of motel building and hotel building and creating that family legacy. So I think we have to just try to figure out, one, what are our last names? What is that clan? What are you going to be known as? And two, what could you do today? may not be grand, may not be glorious, but what can you do today to implement um, Mm -hmm. or to get it started? And then what are some of your characters that no matter what they do, you know that this clan is known as this. We're known as public servants. We're known as philanthropists like the Rockefellers. We're known as, and then you fill in the blank. Okay. I think that's the first step. So I was looking at that. I was taking notes. What's the recipe? One, make sure you have a personal mission because a lot of people are working on their personal missions and some maybe not. Number two, have a group or family mission, um, developing a family mission. Um, And then the idea, again, that one family member has been given that idea. Am I correct? Usually... It is the, usually when a family... A patriarch or matriarch. That patriarch or matriarch. And again, Mm -hmm. that can come in any form or any age, but usually it's around that idea. That's when, because that's when you see great success. It's when you see a family unit united behind and supporting that idea. Okay. And then All right, and then what can... What can you do to get it started? Because that's, that's the next thing. What can you do to get think, it started? The, and what, huh? The, the best starting tool, right, because now we're trying to figure out how do we transition from being family members to family board members. And that transition takes practice. So I think we have to get in the habit, right, of having organized family meetings. How can we start transitioning from looking at each other as mother, father, daughter, son, and as equals with exact roles? It was interesting. Condoleezza Rice was being um, interviewed on OWN, Oprah's network channel, and she had, I think it's Oprah's master class, and she said that one of the things that taught her from a young age the ability to make decisions was that her mother and father nominated her to being the president of the family. And it was mm. her job to have a, organize a family meeting and decide what color the walls are going to be or what day they're going to leave for their family trip. And she said, as simple as that was, it was the very skill set of decision-making, not being a sickle fan or trying to make everyone happy, but making a clear-cut decision that led her to the position when she rose to the highest position an African-American woman has been in our country. Something as small as that. So how do we get the family meeting down is probably the next step is practicing over small things. What's going to be the menu? What's going to, how much are we going to give to different charities, whether we have a foundation or not? What color are we going to paint the house? Where are we going to now, move if we decide let me, to move? Let me back up because I, I don't think we got that step where we create a foundation, a family foundation. This is before that. I think you have to get in the habit of having family meetings. Okay. And so, again, the subject okay. matter is just the, the habit of making decisions because that's where you're going to see the personality. You're going to see this person always jumps up and yells at everyone and walks out and storms out. You see that this person's always quiet and doesn't really talk, right? How do mm-hmm. we 
perfect that because when you start adding money, dollars, and businesses and capital and inheritance to that discussion, if you haven't built that habit, you're going to magnify all those different personality traits. Mm-hmm. The yelling, the walking out, the storming out, the disowning, I never want to talk to you again, the fighting, right? So you have to get that in that habit. And I think that it's, again, over small things first and then transitioning to the more serious matters. Well, you know, I mean, this is really great advice. And I know that maybe there are families out there, are heads of families or people who have this idea of how do I pull my family together? Because we fight all the time. Every time we get together, we fight. But it's, it's rallying around a mission and getting everybody aboard on thinking about how do we pull this family together, organize it where we're creating a legacy, and what are we? It's, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, as you very well know, I had to do it with my family. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was quite an exercise, but it was really fun to do. So continue uh, and tell us some of the other steps that, and then what are the fa- who are the families? I guess I should ask this. Uh, are we finished with this? Because I don't want to leave this that you can give any more steps that you can think of. I, this I is a recipe. Those, are, <laughs> those steps are for if you're multi-billionaires to multi-thousandaires, right? Either way. I think those are your, your beginning steps. Okay. But you don't have to be a multi-billionaire or wealthy, wealthy to start this, right? Really? No, no, no. I said or multi-thousandaires. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, no matter where you are in the spectrum, if you make $14,000 a year or $14 million a year, getting your family around a mission, right? Because Mother mm-hmm. Teresa still had a mission whether she was a millionaire or not, they knew what she stood for. So right. if we took that concept and we translated that to the whole family, when they encounter the youngs, they're going to automatic, automatically say X, Y, and Z. When they encounter the Brimmers, the Johnsons, the Goldbergs, they're going to automatically say the following. Mm-hmm. That, I think oh. that is where the starting point needs to be. Okay. And then you, again, practicing how to transition for, from family members and knowing how to put on a different hat of family board members. Now, how, how do we get people to get to the point where they're able to put their money to, to a purpose? Do, do we have to be rich to do that? We're, you're helping people put their money to a purpose, and you sort of help them um, define that purpose by, you know, donating to whatever. Um, is that a part of this, too? Yeah, I think it, it's a natural evolution of where the family becomes or where they go. Mm-hmm. And, again, the family mission has to be around business, has to be around civic engagement, but it also is around philanthropy. And trying to figure out what organizations they're going to give to, right, those things matter, and you should make that decision as a group. I think that you don't have to be millionaires to give back. A lot of um, Christians are taught and indoctrinated at a a very young age the power of tithing, right? Right. So giving is ingrained, but then you have other people from different backgrounds where tithing may not be, right, in terms of that specific, but giving 
but you have to figure out what that philosophy is. So I think you just have to get in the habit, as with anything. You have to get in the habit of giving 10%. You have to get in the habit of That's giving true. back, whether it's time, energy, skill set, or money. Giving truly is a habit. I know that. It, <laughs> it's just a habit. It really and is. From, and uh, and, and from, getting, But, you know, getting people to, to realize that you can start this multi-generational wealth building by even thinking of it in terms of building leaders or building a legacy for a particular um, profession. Um, so it's it's more than just wealth, as I see it. Uh, oh, of it's, and I, that's what I, I mean. I got excited about it when I started thinking about this whole topic that to give people a better understanding that it's multi-generational wealth building, but it's wealth in terms of building leaders in your family, building professions, and how we can do that by bringing the family together. And it can be done, even if it's a single parent with children. I mean, I I want you to sort of talk about that. Uh, We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some of the least likely people that you, we would think of to uh, start this multi-generational wealth building. So stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back with Mr. Justin Bremer. Thank you. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, and welcome back with my guest, Mr. Justin Brimmer, the financial whiz, who's become an expert in philanthropic planning. And we're talking about the recipe for multi-generational wealth building. So I want to tell you, listeners, if you missed any of this show, you can download the show afterwards and listen to it 
and in its entirety. And you'll want to share the word with some of your friends as well, because this is a great conversation and really, really interesting and something I think you need to know and share with friends. So, Justin, thank you uh, for coming back. And I want to finish our conversation about the likely people well, sometimes we may say the least likely people that we would think of to build uh, multi-generational wealth, because it's just not that in terms of wealth building. It's about building a legacy for leadership, for leaders, uh, politicians, different professions. So share with us, because we were talking before break about, yes, it could be a single parent that um, could pull her family together, or a matriarch or a patriarch, okay? Yeah, those are... Again, great questions. And um, the conversation, I, I think we have to look at, one, some mm-hmm. of the oldest texts that our you know, species has been privy to have, which is the Word of God, and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what made that lineage so successful, right? Because they had to be very successful over a period of thousands of years in order to make sure you know, the the Messiah was born of Mary and, and of that lineage. And one of the things that is very similar mm-hmm. to there that I think a single parent in today's times, um, we, how we can draw from that, is the idea of our family narrative. The Jewish people are very good in celebrating their, 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 their community, their people's narrative, whether it's around festivals, um, and, and holidays, but there's a remembrance. There's a moment that they retell their story that made them who they are. So mm-hmm. what I think is we have to figure out, are we the children of Abraham, right? And, and, my, and his lineage will be as plentiful as the stars, right? They, they, there was an ownership there. Are we mm-hmm. saying that same thing to our children? Do we have that calling that, that God has given us so that we can restate that over and over as to why this family exists. It's probably mm-hmm. no different than John Hagee and his family. I think he's the third or fourth generation pastor. His son is a pastor out in Texas. There's a lineage, mm-hmm. Joel Olstein, his father, right, and then Joel Olstein himself. There's something where they felt a draw that in order to be mm-hmm. a part of this family, I am to do this. Mm-hmm. So what I think is, is it could be as simple as rallying your family over or around something as simple as a recipe for a sweet potato and, pie. And I, I like that. I like that. Or fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, what you, remember the, you remember the show, or was it a movie about soul food? The family yeah. gathering every Sunday around food? And, again, many people overlook it, but many successful companies – around food and beverages started because that was my grandmother's great-great-grandmother's recipe that was passed down. It's my secret recipe, right? One of the um, popular restaurants in Beverly Hills is Crustaceans. Same concept. The grandmother, the mother, the, the daughters, they secretly build their famous um, noodles in a secret kitchen within the kitchen that only the family members know the recipe to, and they have a successful chain of um, restaurants. The Mars family, the mother only taught her sickly son how to make chocolate. Now we have Mars Candy, Snickers Bar, that came as a result of the initial founder's son who created the M&M's and the Snicker Bar. 
I think the idea is, is that a recipe is just as powerful as a tradition, is just as powerful as a stock certificate. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. idea that you need to go to college and college is the minimum is just as powerful as starting your own Facebook company and, and creating entrepreneurship. I think we have to realize that the things that we give our children are most times the most important have nothing to do with money, which is funny that even in this conversation, we're talking about estate planning, and we haven't really talked about money at all. But no, because <laughs> in order to create a successful estate, you have to worry about the immaterial, the intangibles, in order to make it successful. The money mm-hmm. part is always the easiest, right? You add, subtract, you put here, you take the tax-efficient vehicle here, you route it here, right? Those are the easy part. Implementation uh-huh. takes human beings. Implementation takes a vision that has to be created and executed, has to be bought in by family board members, right? We, if we are not successful with making sure that we build the intellectual, emotional, and spiritual capital of our heirs, you have just set up the recipe for making sure that your heirs and your heirs' heirs are going to be broke. And they're not going to have good relationships. They're not going to know how to be on a team or know how to communicate as a family. Right? There's nothing more wealthy, um, as a famous motivational speaker um, once said, than the graveyard. Wealth of ideas that have never been implemented. Never been able to germinate those ideas. Well, as we wrap up the show today, Justin, uh, someone in the listening audience probably can identify what we've dis- we have discussed today. So what encouraging words would you like to leave and give them right now before we close? I think that there's two. One is if you have the blessing and the burden of having heirs, and parents and grandparents will know what I mean by that, you have to make sure that you, it is your job to bless them and decide to bless them with a multi-generational blessing, whether it's in the form of a character trait, a personality, a, a profession, or even a recipe. You have to decide and consciously say, I'm going to bless you and support you in this manner. Our family will be known as this. And if you have been, um, again, the blessing or the burden of not having any heirs or children, I think that's also placed on you that you have the same family responsibility, it just so happens that that might be your community or your church group. It's the same thing. What is this group of people? How are they going to know me? And how is my legacy going to live? How am I going to translate my legacy into those people that I encounter? Again, it's more than just giving a dollar. It's about giving destiny. Thank you so much, Justin. It has truly been a pleasure to have you on the show today, and I want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your journey of transformation, Because, and I know the listeners have learned a considerable amount of information about building a legacy and not just necessarily the money part of it. So, And it's so gratifying to know how excited you are about helping people to be better informed about building multi-generational wealth. Interestingly enough, American people have been historically among the most charitable inclined in the world. So it's not surprising that philanthropy planning has become an integral aspect of many professional advisory practices and a professional service today. So I close with this. 
Engaging one around philanthropy strengthens the relationships of families. It establishes ties to the next generation. And while there's clearly a return on investment for the advisor, there's a greater return for the clients and people and families knowing that their charitable dollars will have the intended impact during their lifetime and beyond. Thank you for listening. And I leave you today. Stay tuned next week for my interesting guest, who is the actress, Retha Gray, who will talk about sex, drugs, and salvation, a journey to success. You will not want to miss this show. Remember, you matter. You have a purpose for your life. Discover and focus on your genius. Be better and not bitter. Live better, do better at what you do best. This is Dr. Barbara Young, your success coach, signing off. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have an outstanding week.